And it's, it's astounding just how many scriptures relate to this doctrine and how little these scriptures are taught in church today, which I think is scary, personally, when we're living in the most sinful age in the history of the earth. Amen? Yes. Are we living in a sinful age? Yes. Yeah. Is it hard to be Christian in this age? Yes. Well, grace is going to increase more. And now grace is not a free-for-all. Grace doesn't mean you can sin now, you're under grace, because God basically blocks his eyes so you can just go for your life. He doesn't see it because you're saved, and he just ignores all that. That's not grace. Grace is the power to live a holy life. That's what grace is. And once you understand that, that the grace of God comes on you, and you're now able to live a righteous life in Christ. Then when you read the scriptures, understanding that, it all makes sense. Because we're supposed to be new creatures. We're supposed to be born again. We're not. We're supposed to give up evil practices and evil ways that in, uh, that we used to live in. Amen. Does not the scripture say that, or am I reading a different Bible? <laughs> I remember one um, encounter uh, a person had with hell, and this person said that the mouth of hell is wide. It's a massive, massive mouth. It's huge. It's like the Grand Canyon. You know, 10 times wider. And that mouth, because people die at a phenomenal rate from Earth, don't they? You know, every second someone's dying. It's just like that dead, dead running. Someone died. Someone just died. Someone just died. Somewhere around the world. Someone's dying. 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 And hell is filling at a phenomenal rate. And the church is sitting on their hands. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses aren't. They're not sitting on their hands. Mormons aren't sitting on their hands, are they? There's a lot of faiths out there. They're not sitting on their hands. Muslims aren't sitting on their hands. Man, they're the the fastest growing uh, movement in the world currently. You know, they take over entire countries. They possess countries. They possess the government. And the Christians are sitting on their hands. Oh, we haven't given too much money. We're not telling people about Jesus. But we have the truth. We have the key to life. Amen. Jesus Christ is the truth. There is no other way into heaven. There's no other way to get to the Father. You're the only person, uh, like we're, we're the only people and, and people like us who believe in Jesus Christ. We're the only ones that can communicate with the Father through Jesus Christ. Because there's no other way to the Father except through the Son. a certain reason is because um, uh, there's a, a very strong prevailing teaching in the church that um, uh, once you're saved you're always saved you can't lose your salvation doesn't depend on works which is true to uh, in relation to works but not in relation to holiness and so what I'm, I'm going to be bringing up today is uh, uh, so many scriptures uh, just from the book of Colossians which relate to um, Holiness being ever related to salvation. That as we become believers in Christ, that we become changed people, creatures uh, with new habits and, and, and uh, new interests, and that we repent and turn away from sinful things that we used to do when we lived in the world, or well, we still do live in the world, but things that we used to do when we obeyed the lusts and pulls of the flesh. Amen? Yep. So put up your hand if you've actually heard at least one sermon in this series. Okay. 
That's good. <laughs> well, I've got a, uh, most of them online. I put up my last one this morning, so I'm right up to date. So I've done up to 14 parts. So there's 14 parts. I've gone through every, uh, not every book yet, but uh, started in 1 Peter, went to 2 Peter, went through the 1, 2 and 3 John, went through uh, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and now we're up to Colossians. And it's, it's astounding just how many scriptures relate to this doctrine and how little these scriptures are taught in church today, which I think is scary, personally, when we're living in the most sinful age in the history of the earth. Amen? Yes. Are we living in a sinful age? Yes. Yeah. Is it hard to be Christian in this age? Yes. Well, grace is going to increase more. And now grace is not a free-for-all. Grace doesn't mean you can sin now, you're under grace, because God basically blocks his eyes so you can just go for your life. He doesn't see it because you're saved, and he just ignores all that. That's not grace. Grace is the power to live a holy life. That's what grace is. And once you understand that, that the grace of God comes on you, and you're now able to live a righteous life in Christ. Then when you read the scriptures, understanding that, it all makes sense. Because we're supposed to be new creatures. We're supposed to be born again. We're, not, we're supposed to give up evil practices and evil ways that, in, uh, that we used to live in. Yeah. Amen? Mm-hmm. Does not the scripture say that? Or am I reading a different Bible? <laughs> but you're going to see some scriptures today that uh, are going to help us. And this is just from the book of Colossians. I'm not even going to mention too far else. I might mention a few scriptures from Romans to keep it in perspective. But let's have a look at Colossians 1, 9 to 14. I haven't done a sermon from this series since last year, so I thought I'd better do one. (laughs) Colossians 1. Right, now verse 9 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Who who won't be welcome into heaven? Those that don't do his will. Those that don't do the will of God. Does it say that? (laughs) Yeah. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Will. Only he who does the will. That's interesting, isn't it? And why I always reflect back to that scripture is because that is a key. That's the actual key. That scripture is the key to get into heaven. If you live by that scripture, it changes everything. Oh, okay, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. So not everyone who professes faith in Christ will get into heaven. But it's he who does the will. Because if you truly have a changed heart, if your heart is truly handed over to Jesus Christ, you'll become a changed person. Amen? Mm -hmm. And then you will know the will of God, and you will fulfill the will of God. So it's the key. The will of God is everything. We must know the will of God. We must live according to the will of God. Amen? Mm Amen? So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to keep that in perspective. That's actually shaken me. That scripture blew me away back when I was in a prosperity church, a once saved, always church. Um, And in that time, guess what? I slipped into sin and I didn't have a conscience to stop sinning. Because why? I'm not saved by works. Because I was thinking that doing good, living a moral, upright life was something to do with works. It's not works. It's the moral code that we have to live by. Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you commit a murder in your heart. So we're under a more exacting code than the Old Testament code, aren't we? The Old Testament code said, you know, you have to kill your brother to murder him. 
In the New Testament, Jesus says, I tell you, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. Is that a tougher code? We're under, so we're under a more exacting code. That means we need the Holy Spirit. And as I, I always say, and many of you that have been under my teaching for a while, you, you've heard me say, it. if you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? You will be holy. I was expecting quite a few of you to say holy. <laughs> if you have the Holy Spirit, you will be holy. 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 What is that? Because you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is holy. So it's obvious, isn't it? If you have the Holy Spirit, you will be holy. Therefore, you will be very careful what you do. Does the Holy Spirit go into sin with you? No. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't go with you into sin. And so we've got to be careful that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be with us continuously, guiding us so that we can do the will of God so we don't get kicked out of heaven. We don't want to get to heaven and say, Lord, Lord, we don't want to be one of those. One thing I'm never going to say when I get to heaven is the more Lord. I'm just not going to say it. I'm saying at Judgment Day and my, my voice is, Lord, Lord. Say that with them. Don't say, Lord, Lord. There's a tip. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. All right. But it's, we've got to thank Jesus for saving us. We are saved. The promise stands, provided you do the will of God. That's what's not taught in scripture. Uh, well, it's taught in scripture. That's not what's taught in church today. That's what's not taught. And that's scary. Because Paul said, if you preach a gospel other than what we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Eternally condemned. So if, you, if, you, if, you, if we're sitting under a gospel that's not the gospel that was taught by Paul and taught by Jesus, wow, we could be eternally condemned. And we could live 50 years in a church like that and never realise it, and we could get to heaven and go, Lord, Lord. That's scary. It's a scary thought. It's, I'm, I'm, I fear for the Christian church today. I really do. I fear for them. Because it's, it's falling in so many areas. Who knows? Who, know, who does a little bit of research into this? Just a little bit. You know, who of you here would sit under Joel Osteen and have the best life now? No, thank you. No? I'd, I'd advise you, don't. I know some people that are, are Christians, very simple Christians, and they love Joel Osteen. No conviction. Zero conviction. It's scary. It's scary. Because I would rather have, you know, a very small church and I'd rather have um, people think I'm, I'm a, an, an idiot for believing the scriptures and get into heaven than have massive popularity and have the biggest church in America and teach a doctrine that's going to condemn me to eternal hell. Mm. Who was here last week? Yep. Yeah. Does hell exist? Yes. Yeah. Is it a real place? Yes. Does hell get taught? It's right beneath our feet. It's under there, guys. It's down there. Is it taught in church much? No. Why? It's uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. What did they learn back in the early part of the 20th century? Hell. Well, they used to teach hell all the time. And churches weren't that busy. <laughs> and pastors didn't make much money. <laughs> and they had, there was a, you know, it was concerning because churches were folding. They kept preaching the true gospel. People were fleeing the church. So what happened? They came up with this new idea, seeker-sensitive. Let's be sensitive to the seeker. Let's change the messages slightly. Or, or not even change it, just let's leave out some doctrines. Let's leave out some key doctrines. And what happened? Mm -hmm. What happened to the church? 
He got full again. And they go, oh, we're on to something. But is that the true gospel? If anyone should preach a gospel other than what I preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. So that's where they, that's what's happened. And then it's spread to the point where someone like me comes along and I go, oh, hang on. I've been in church for 25 years. I don't know how long. And I'm looking at the scriptures. And what I'm hearing from the pulpit is not lining up with what I read in the scriptures. Because I'm, I'm not a hugely intelligent individual, but I'm a discerning individual. I'll look at it. I'll cross-check. And I cross-check my pastor. Make sure you cross-check me. Don't go home and say, Rob must be true because he's wrong. <laughs> No, go home, cross-check me, double-check, read all the scriptures again, write down every scripture I write, go back, watch all my New Testament sermons, there's 14 parts, do yourself the biggest favour of your Christian life, watch all 14 parts. It'll completely realign you with scripture. And your whole way of considering salvation and how we are to be as Christians will be completely uh, rebooted in your life. You know what I mean? And... I, I believe with that knowledge, when you apply it in your life and you start living according to it, you know, it, it's going to change us. We're going to become the people God intended us to be. I used to always ask questions like this. I'd be in church and I'd be a big church of people. Well, you know, probably about as many as this. The church we were in had about as many as this, maybe a bit more. And uh, I used to always think, how come most of these people haven't won a soul to Jesus in the last few years? How come I haven't won anyone to Jesus for quite a few years? What's going on? Why isn't the church effective? Has anyone ever sat back and thought that? Hmm. You know, guys like Ben, he's out on the front line, uh, spiritually speaking. He's out there talking to people. He's talking to soldiers, aren't you? So I admire guys like Ben because he gets out there and he actually tells people about the faith. Hmm. You know? And there's another guy called Ben in, in Victoria who uh, is a uh, impersonator. He can impersonate Arnie and a whole range of other guys, and he's really, really good at what he does, isn't he, Anthony? Yeah, Ben Price, his name is, and he's Christian, and he found out about a ministry, contacted me, and um, I met up with him in North Adelaide. He said to me, you know, uh, you're starting to talk about this time where he went out in the street. I said, oh, you go out in the street? And he goes, yeah, yeah, just hand out tracks and talk to people. He goes, oh, yeah, how, how often do you do that? Oh, twice a week. What, all the time? Yeah, all the time. Last week. He didn't even think anything of it. I'm thinking, wow. It, it, there's a place for proactive, proactiveness in the faith, isn't there? You know, there's a place for us to go out and start to reach people for Jesus Christ. Are we living in a sin-stained world with people going to, uh, to hell at a phenomenal rate? You know, there's, are there people that have had visions of hell and, 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 and you know, to the most part, I'm... I believe a lot of what I hear because Christianity is the only faith. You, you check it out on YouTube. Christianity is the only faith where we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of people with their testimonies on YouTube who talk about heavenly and visits and hell visits. It's the only faith that has that. Islam doesn't have it, does it, Bill? Uh, yeah, but the Islamic, some of the Islamic people... Oh, they convert to they have they have experiences with Christ, and a lot of Muslims have become Christian, having seen Jesus Christ in visions, and they've come out and the vision has impacted them so much they turn to Jesus Christ. But I remember one um, encounter uh, a person had with hell, and this person said that the mouth of hell is wide. It's a massive, massive mouth. It's huge. It's like the Grand Canyon 
you know, 10 times wider. And that mouth, because people die at a phenomenal rate from Earth, don't they? You know, every second someone's dying. It's just like that dead, dead running. Someone dies, someone just died, someone just died, somewhere around the world. Someone's dying, 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 dying. And hell is filling at a phenomenal rate. And the church are sitting on their hands. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses aren't. They're not sitting on their hands. Mormons aren't sitting on their hands, are they? There's a lot of faiths out there. They're not sitting on their hands. Muslims aren't sitting on their hands. Man, they're the, they're the fastest growing uh, movement in the world currently. You know, they take over entire countries. They possess countries. They possess the government. And the Christians are sitting on their hands. Oh, we have not, not get too outspoken. But not tell people about Jesus. But we have the truth. We have the key to life. Amen. Jesus Christ is the truth. There is no other way into heaven. There's no other way to get to the Father. You're the only person, uh, like, we're, we're the only people and, and people like us who believe in Jesus Christ. We're the only ones that can communicate with the Father through Jesus Christ. Because there's no other way to the Father except through the Son. You can't get to Jesus, uh, to the God the Father through any other means. So Muslims are praying, but they're praying to Satan. Jehovah's Witnesses are praying to Satan. If you study these religions, it's shocking. But they're, they're out there doing it because they, they're, they're satanically driven. They're driven by demons. And we have the Holy Spirit and we sit on our hands. We're too scared. We don't want to make a stir people. You know, we take the keeping peace scripture a bit too far. You know, <laughs> you know I don't want to stir up my family. I'll keep the peace. You know? So we, we need to get a bit more proactive. Amen? Yes. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that we are proactive with the Holy Spirit in our life. We've got to make sure that we clean up our act. If there's sins that you're committing, just stop doing them. That's what repentance is. Just stop it. Don't do it anymore. I'm not looking at anyone. I try to sort of gloss over <laughs> when I say that, you know, when you look at me. You see, there's sins in your life when you look at me. I didn't mean to. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. <laughs> yeah, got to keep my eyes up. I didn't look at you, Andy, sorry. <laughs> Put some dark glasses on. Okay. <laughs> Preach with shades on. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's, that's, is it true? Mm. Am I saying the truth? Yes, I mean. Yeah. yeah. The world, the, the people in the world need us more than ever. They count on us. They might not say it to you right now. Unbelievers won't come up and say, I'm counting on you to get me saved. They won't say that. But deep in that soul of theirs, they know they're on the way to hell. You know, ACDC knew they were on the way to hell, didn't they? And they told her, they sang about it. We're on the highway to hell, we're going there. And we're going to bring you with us. That's what they, they sing as well. Satan get you, Satan get you. Hell's bells. You know, I'm going to bring you to hell, send you to hell. That's what they were saying. They're going to send them to hell. And they are. They're sending those people that worship ACDC to hell. Watch, they sold their souls for rock and roll. It's a video series. Must see. Any Christian who hasn't watched it, should watch it just to get their eyes open to the culture we're living in and how the music of our culture has more influence over the people than the government. The music has a far stronger influence in the lives of every one of us than does the government and Donald Trump. <laughs> has a far greater influence. We've got to be careful what we listen to. We've got to be careful what goes in here. We've got to be careful what goes in here. We've got to be careful what comes out of here. 
You'll have to breathe freely. <laughs> right? Just don't breathe in poisonous gas. Yeah. But that's the equivalent, isn't it? Poison, poison, and we can let poison come out yes. as well. And what does that tell us about what's bubbling up out of our spring? Is it salt water or fresh water? We've got to make sure it's fresh. We've got to make sure that that spring gets renewed and rejuvenated and become clean again. Become clean, or well not again, become clean by the Holy Spirit. And if you've been clean once before and you've got stained and dirty, ask God to clean you again. Sometimes do we need it? Do sometimes we need to go back and get on our knees and lay our life afresh down and say, crucify me, O Lord, once more. Get back on the cross, in another word, you know. So, um, Christian lingo, so if you're not new to the faith, you know, um, if you're only new to the faith, uh, you probably miss some of these things. It, it says that, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, I've been crucified. I've been crucified. What does that mean? Every element of the flesh nature, the sinful nature, is up on a cross now, where it should be. If a sin appears in your life, you've got to go, hey, what, what are you doing off the cross? Get back up on the cross now. Speak harshly to it. You know? If we're getting drawn into all these different and various sins, we've got to ask the question, have we crucified our flesh nature? Or is some of it creeping back to life again? Because Paul said, I no longer live. That means he no longer live. He has no interest in himself anymore. He has interest in what Christ wants. That's why you end up doing the will of God. Because you become Christ-centered and you only do what Christ wants you to do. The will of God becomes paramount. Amen? Yeah. All right. So I've gone far enough down that road. Let's go back to Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Everyone there? Feeling God's speaking this morning? Yeah. Anyone sense that? Yeah. One nine. For this reason, since today we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. See, so you needed everything I just said to understand this now, because this is the context that Paul's coming from. He's coming from this kind of mindset, a crucified flesh mindset. He's coming from there. And he's, he's asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Fill you with it. Where's that come from? The Holy Spirit. So he said, he could, in another word, he could say, I am asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, you have his will. Knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray that it, this in order that you may live a life. There's a strange word here. What is it? Worthy. Hang on, I thought it's not by works. We don't have to be worthy. Why does he use the word worthy? Why is the word worthy in the Bible? Why does, why does Jesus say, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine? Why does he say that? Is there an element of worthiness in, in, Christ, in, the, in the judgment? Will Christ judge you according to your worthiness? He's going to judge every thought and every careless word that we've spoken. He's going to be hard on... He said, if it's difficult for the righteous to be saved, how much more for the unrighteous? If it's going to be tough for us, it's going to be even harder for the unsaved. So it's going to be tough for us, guys. He tells us, if it's going to be difficult for the righteous to be saved, 
Why do you think I preach on this? Why do you think every time you come in here, sometimes you feel like I'm a broken record? Who's ever, anyone in the church? No one's going to put their hand up. <laughs> ever felt like Rob's a broken record? <laughs> not saying. Sharon does. Sometimes I feel, like I, I feel like a broken record. That's true. It's going to be tough for the righteous. So what's that saying? Let's clean up our act. Let's clean up our, our, up our act. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him. In every way, please him. Please him. In every way, that's what we're to do. Please the Lord. That's what our life should consist of. That's what it's all about. Pleasing the Lord. It's not about pleasing self. You know, if you want to please yourself, guess what you're going to be doing? Sinning. Because it's, it's funny how many pleasurable things are sinful. You can have pleasurable things that aren't sinful. I'm not saying that. You know, it's not sinful to lick an ice cream. The belly might not think so. But it isn't sinful to lick an ice cream, is it? It's a nice thing. I like ice cream. Is it sinful to walk on the beach? No. So choose those things. Choose those things. But don't start surfing the internet and looking for things that could lead you astray. Amen? You've got to be wary. You've got to be wary. And I'll confess straight away, before I um, really gave my life to Jesus, I used to smoke marijuana. It's a big shock, isn't it? Yeah. But I had trouble breaking that habit because any drug addiction is hard to break. So you know what I did? This was wise, but I thought, you know, why didn't I do this before? I got rid of all my drugs. And I smashed. Venus saw me do it. I got a hammer. And I grabbed the, the pipe I used to use and I flattened it so there's no possible way I'd ever be able to use it again. <laughs> so I destroyed it. I killed it. Right? Is that wisdom? If there's a sin in your life, get your hammer out, flatten it, destroy it, and kill it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's the wisest way. Yeah. Now Tessa knows, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Don't look at me different now. Drug addict. Used to be. Colossians 1 9 to 14. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, may please Him in every way, bearing fruit. We've got to bear fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. So we've got to bear fruit. What does the Bible say? You, got, you will know them by their. Fruit. fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Christians have fruit. Now, that fruit, guess what? That's works. The fruit is works. We're not saved by the fruit. We're not saved by the fruit. But Jesus will cut down every tree that does not have fruit. Doesn't he? What did he do to the poor fig tree? I say poor fig tree because it was out of season. So produce fruit in and out of season. That's the point. Have 12 crops coming off, one every month. Different. Get grafted. Be an apple tree and be an orange tree. Apples in the summer and orange in the winter. You know what I mean? Bear fruit. Produce fruit. In, and it says produce fruit in keeping with? Repentance. Repentance. So stop sinning. Keep with repentance. Uh, growing in, uh, in, bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you 
to share in the inheritance of the saints. He's qualified you. How? By the Holy Spirit. That's how you get qualified. If you've got the Holy Spirit, and there's two levels of Holy Spirit, I believe. Two levels of Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit in you. One is Jesus said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And this was when the, he was with the disciples. It wasn't the day of Pentecost. It was pre-Pentecost. He, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what did those disciples have? The Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like the Adam in the garden and the Lord breathed and gave him life. It's like the new life. It, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then what happened at Pentecost? That was different. This was now empowerment. So a lot of us are thinking we're baptized in the Holy Spirit because we've been breathed. We've received the breath of the Holy Spirit. And we, we confuse that because, you know, I, I received the breath of the Holy Spirit when I was early on in my salvation. I received the breath of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it was the most incredible experience of my life up till that moment. It was mind-blowing. My body filled with electricity for about 15 minutes. And to all accounts, if I was in the church, you know what they would be saying? You are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now speak in tongues. <laughs> they would have told me to. Um, but no, I just was had this incredible experience with God. It was deep and, and, and changed me. It really did change me. I wanted to live for Jesus. Actually, it was the very first time I used the Lord's name in a prayer. Uh, if you want to know a bit more about it, I was tricked. I was tricked into salvation by this book, the way it was written. I was into the New Age. I was a New Age freak, really just seeking truth. I started to say this prayer at the end of a New Age book, and right at the end of the prayer it says, I give you my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, something along those lines. And as soon as I said, Lord Jesus Christ, it's like my head opened, and God just came down with such power. And at the end of that, I threw that book away. (laughs) And I'm going, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? I was 20, 22 years old, 21, 22, something like that, and I didn't know Jesus. Never really gave him any thought. You know? Mm. Like my nana, mm. 102 years old. She never gave Jesus any thought for 102 years. Is that remarkable? Mm. And I led her to the Lord at 102 years old. Just blew my mind. She was going, Jesus, of course, Jesus, yeah. Never really given much thought to that. Never given thought to God, the existence of God or anything. Can you believe that? We find that remarkable because how many of you put your hand up if you've been brought up in the faith? Not me, but some of you have, quite a few. Um, How many of you have come to salvation in the last probably 10 years ago? Yeah? 20 years ago? Yeah. So we just take it for granted that... Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We take that for granted, don't we? We take all of our salvation. A lot of the things get normal. When you hear the word of God preached even, it can seem normal. Oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that. Yeah, the words coming off, you know, read the words. Yeah, yeah, I've read that before. I've read that dozens of times. Who's had that experience? Yeah, it can come, you know, church as usual. Bible as normal, you know. But to so many people out there, that's not the way it is. And they're going to be in hell, and a lot of them are going to be going, why didn't anyone really give me the time of day and tell me about Jesus? No one had given my nana the time of day to tell her about Jesus, and that's why I believe God kept her alive until 102, because she had to have an opportunity. Amen? Start praying. 
God, who do you want me to speak to? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say to people? How, how can I make some friendships that I, I could lead people to Jesus? Give me divine appointments. Give me things to say to people, Lord. Get a heart for the lost. You know, get in the prayer and weep for the lost. Because you know what? When you see the lost in hell, and as in Isaiah 66, it says that we're going to be in heaven forever and every once a week. On the <coughs> Sabbath, we're going to go to a place where we can see those souls that have died in the pit of hell. Well, it's not even called hell. Then it's the lake of burning sulfur because hell is in there with it. Now, we're looking into the pit of the lake of burning sulfur and you'll see the souls that had rebelled and there will be multiple, multiple, probably multiple billions in there. And, you know, they say there's God wipes away every tear and that there'll be no tears in heaven. But who of you could look upon that and not feel some sort of, you know, sadness? If you looked upon it now, do you think you'd be sad? If you could look and see a million people burning in hell right now, what, what would that do to you? What would that do to you? Visualise it. It's, it's worth visualising. It's worth watching some of these videos where people speak about their, encounter, their, 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 their visions of hell or their encounters where they believe they were taken to hell. Whether it's true or not, if it stirs up a fire in you, and when I say whether it's true or not, because there is the element of doubt, some people can manufacture it to get sell books. Right? There's always that. We can't take that out of it. But I don't believe that that means they're all false. Has anyone here, has God given anyone here a vision? Put up your hand if God's given you a vision in your life. Okay. I know Venus been given visions. You know, Lena, when she first came into the church, in the first few weeks, saw Jesus walk up beside the pulpit while I was preaching. And that blew me away. That gave me confidence. He's up here with me. But didn't you, Lena? Yes. Yeah. Was that the, con- the time when you went, yeah, this is the right place? Yes. Yeah. She saw Jesus. My sister-in-law saw Jesus. Saw Jesus sitting in a chair looking at her and she, she looked away and looked back again and he's still there. And then she tapped my mother-in-law and said, do you see? you see him? And she goes, what are you talking about? I don't see anything. And then he disappeared. Guess what? She didn't turn to Jesus, would you believe? She just thinks, that was strange. He didn't look happy. He just looked at me very sternly. So because Jesus was looking at her sternly, she thought that it wasn't necessarily a good thing. And therefore, and I said, well, what would you, you know, Jesus looks upon the whole world very sternly at the moment. Do you think Jesus is up there happy with how everything's going? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, I'll try to finish the sermon. Started. Start praying for me. I can get through it. Nine to fourteen. I think I finished. Have I? Thirteen. Thirteen. All right. It says, "For he has rescued us." Understand these words. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. You've been rescued from the the dominion of darkness and brought, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He's forgiven us for a sin. He's rescued us from where? The dominion of darkness. Should we still be then in darkness if he's rescued us from darkness? Should a Christian still live in darkness? If you've been rescued, just say you, someone takes you hostage and puts you in a prison and you, you're down in a dungeon somewhere and you think, oh man, I'm lost. And then someone finds you 
NCIS sent in or something, and they come down and they find you and they bring you out. You've rescued from the dominion of darkness. Would you then go back and get in that cell again? Oh, I just want to go and spend a little bit more time down here. Would you? You wouldn't. It would be crazy. So what are we doing when we've been taken out of sin, our sinful life? We've been removed from it so that sin no longer has, has control of our life. Don't go back there again. And I'm, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Have any of you ever slipped back into sin as a Christian? Yeah, I, I didn't need a show of hands. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Matthew has. <laughs> Probably this morning. I won't say who else stuck their hand up. <laughs> But is it common? Yes. Yeah? Could I nearly say unanimously that nearly everyone has slipped? Yep. Yeah. Should we? No. no. Do you think if I stopped preaching about it, that that would change a few things? For those of you that are in, uh, members of this church, would you think if I stopped preaching to live a holy life, do you think that could have uh, repercussions in the future? If I never mentioned it again, could that bring repercussions to this church? Could we see the church falling into grievous sins? Yeah. So what's the job of the pastor? To make sure the flock firstly gets into heaven. So this in a sense is the ark. You get in the ark and this ark is going to heaven. So my job, and this is the why my responsibility is so huge and this is why I preach what I do and this is why I explain things like I do is because if I don't preach the truth and you guys go to hell because of my teaching, guess where I go? And will I get a harsher judgment than you guys? Those of us that are to be teachers get a harsher judgment. So I thought, man, no way will I, do I want to be a rich mega church pastor. I don't want to be a minister with my own Learjet. I don't want that. I want to preach the truth. And that's more important. And, and the Lord made, made me well aware that it's not going to draw big crowds. But it is going to draw those that truly want Jesus Christ with all their heart. They truly want to be saved. They truly want to get right with God. They want to live righteous, holy lives. Who knows, living a righteous, holy life is very good for you, very healthy. You know? If you think about it, we know from a food perspective what we put in our body, right? From a food perspective, there's good foods and there's bad foods, right? And we know if we eat lots of these good foods, we'll get into very good health. But if we mix a lot of these bad foods in, guess what's going to happen? Right? Do we still eat some bad foods? Even though we know that we shouldn't eat them? Right? Bag of Doritos when you're watching a movie late at night or something. They're very easy. Eat one, you've got to eat them all. So that's what happens, isn't it? And who knows that we can know the righteous way to live, but we can slip. And we can live the way we shouldn't live. And if you do that too much, it, I believe, personally, from what I've read in Scripture, that, that you can start to threaten your salvation. It can start to threaten your salvation. And some people have shipwrecked their faith. Does the scripture say that? Yes. Have shipwrecked it. Wrecked it. If a ship gets wrecked, it doesn't float anymore. You don't want to be out at sea and the boat gets wrecked. Very, very unsafe place to be in a wrecked boat. So we, we can't let that happen, can we? 
We've got to be hard on ourselves in a sense. We've got to live a disciplined life. Now, what's a disciple? A disciplined one. A disciple is a disciplined one. If you're a disciple of Christ, you're a disciplined one in Christ. Mm-hmm. And you, you discipline the body. I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified, disqualified for the price. price. Beat your body. Make it a slave. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do. We've got to be tough to be Christian. Hey, they think it's tough to be sinful. Man, it's easy to be sinful. It's really easy to be sinful. It's tough to be a Christian and live according to the will of God. <coughs> that takes discipline. And that's a discipline beyond anything that you, that you will ever do. But you know what? You have also you have the added help called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He helps you. He enables you. But you've got to start listening to Him. Yes. Amen? So that we can just continually live righteous, continually live holy. Amen. And then, just like if you continually discipline yourself to eat the right foods, you start to feel better. Who's, who's, had, who's been on a good diet for a long period of time and start to feel good? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. If you can do that, you start to feel good. You start to live a holy life, then start to feel good. Because Christ starts to work in you and through you. And things start to change in your life. Amen? Alright. Now let's... Let's move on. One twenty-one, and it says, Once you were alienated from God. Now consider this, guys. Once you were alienated. What does that mean? You don't want to get alienated from God again. He says, once you were alienated from God. It means you're separate. You had no share in Him, no part with Him. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. You were considered enemies by God in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Evil behaviour. What's evil behaviour? Sinful behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know, evil behaviour comes in all forms. You know, you could be unloving towards someone. You could be rude, obnoxious to people. Mm-hmm. You could be, um, you know, cruel to people. That's, that's evil behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. Who knows people that can be like that? Who knows Christians? Yeah. I remember in church, uh, a church we used to go to years and years and years ago, I was just astounded by some of the uh, rudest people I've ever met in my life. In my life. Like, this was like so rude. I was like just absolutely blown away. I was thinking, how could someone turn when I say, hi, how are you going, and say what they just said to me and make me feel so bad so rapidly? And it was in a church. In a church. Christians, that could make me feel that way. And I could see them doing it to everybody. And yet these guys were the most knowledge Christians in the church because they'll never hear you talk about Christ. They want to tell you everything about Christ. And I was like astounded. Wow. Where did that come from? You know, my, my wife teaches at a, um, at a Christian school with Christian kids. And behaviour, she said, that should not happen among Christian children. Things that they're doing. Things that they're into. The way they treat each other. You know, the bullying and all this sort of stuff. It's just astounding. Evil behaviour. 123. So once you were alienated from God, my enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. You've been reconciled and uh, through, through death to present you what? Holy. Say the word loudly. Holy, Holy to present you 
holy in his sight. Without blemish. Guys, without blemish. See, this is why I preach on this, because the scriptures are saying he's gonna, he wants to present us holy in him without blemish. What's a blemish? Imperfection. Yeah, but a, a, a slight imperfection, isn't it? It's just a small imperfection. No blemishes. Now that's even getting, that's getting tougher. So holy without blemish. And then what does it say? Free from accusation. Free of it. No one can say a thing about you. Man, I failed that. Right? But that's what we have to strive for. That's what we're called to. Holy, without blemish, free of accusation. This is the tough call. This is why to be a Christian is tough. And I'm talking real Christian. Hey, you can be a watered-down, lukewarm Christian. That's easy. I've been that. Very, very easy to live a lukewarm Christianity. Actually, what does the church say about the church of Laodicea? What does Jesus say about the church of Laodicea? He'll spit them out of his mouth. Wretched, pitiful, naked and blind. Wretched, pitiful, naked, poor and blind is the lukewarm Laodicean church. Jesus had no place in the kingdom of God for Laodicean Christians. And then he says, I ask you to repent. Salve to put in your eyes so you can see. Wake up. Salve. We need salve. Lord, you, I, I've prayed. Lord, give me salve to put in my eyes so that I can see. Help me to see better. Because I don't see it. I don't see it. And I don't hear it from the pulpit very often, so I, I, I sort of took it upon myself got to start preaching it. You know? Because this is the call. You know, when you get to heaven, you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be asked, how good were you at eschatology? If you're not good at eschatology, you're not coming into this place. You know what eschatology is? The study of end times. Right? He's not going to say, how many websites did you read and learn incredible information about? He's not going to ask that. He's not going to ask all these other... He's going to ask you, well, firstly, what did you do for me? Secondly, he's going to say, what kind of a person were you while you are on earth? Were you truly my disciple? Because the judgment, the judgment is real. Put up your hand. I want to show our hands. Clear show of hands. Who believes that you're going to be judged by Jesus Christ? Yes. Who believes that there's going to be a time when the whole... All of creation is going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you're going to stand there. Isn't it important that you learn what is expected so you can pass that moment? So that you can enter in. Because you can't enter into eternal life except through the judgments of God. And when you stand before God, it's not going to be like standing before Rob. You're standing here, I'm giving you a... Or you're sitting here. If I'm, I'm giving you the information and some people can go, oh, this is just too heavy. This church is just too heavy. Rob's getting really heavy. I leave, I don't feel as good as when I go down to the edge. I walk out of there happy. I'm, I'm amazed at how amazing I am. Who knows that experience? 
visiting speaker. Wow, gee, I'm incredible. <laughs> it's not what it's meant to be. It's not about us. This is supposed to be dead. This is supposed to be dead. I have trouble killing this thing. But I've got to kill it. It's supposed to be dead. It's all about Jesus Christ. And when it comes down to it, we're going to stand before God. Jesus Christ is going to judge us. He's going to look down upon us and he's going to ask you some pretty powerful questions. And you don't want to be going, you don't want to be in that situation. And you also don't want to be going, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? <laughs> Cast out demons in your name. Don't say that as well. Amen. Amen. And it's true because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, if you're 22 years old today, one day you're going to be 23. It's going to happen. God willing, you'll be there. You'll get turned 23. One day, soon, I'm going to be turning. <laughs> 48. Oh, you, you, sorry, I thought you were. No, 48. Jesus. <laughs> 48. Well, that's two years. Sorry, right? roasted. I was roasted and I roasted that. She beat you. See, it's, these aren't real grades. I watched, I go in and say, you know that you look at the girls wearing grey hair? Grey hair. Yeah. I say, make a grey, please. I've got to look wiser than my years. But um, it's going to happen. Things happen. You plan a holiday a year away. You know, we planned to go to Greece a year before. And one day it happened. And it was past. It was over. Four weeks, boom, like that. Life will go, like that. And then you'll be standing before Jesus Christ. And you're going to go, um... Is it possible if you could send me back so I could live another year on earth and just sort of do a few things that I'm supposed to do so I can come back here and feel a bit better about standing here? And you also don't want to have that situation where you're standing there before Jesus Christ and you look beside you and there's Hitler. I've seen that face before. And Stalin on your left. No, you don't want to be in that position either. Because then it's really bad. Because he's going to separate the goats on his left, sheep on the right. You know, goats do their own thing. Sheep follow. So be a sheep. And people say to you, oh, just all sheep. Sheeples, they like to say, oh, you're all sheeples. Yes, I am a sheeple. <laughs> Only the sheep will get into heaven. What do you want me to be, a goat? You know what I mean? This just doesn't make sense. It's, we've got to be sheep. We've got to follow. We've got to live and follow him. Sheep are only concerned about the shepherd. Goats are concerned about chewing their chain and getting out of there. Don't they? They chew chains. They're crazy. Vina had a goat. And every time she come home from school, it's gone. <laughs> How did you get out of that? My dad just made it a fortress. <laughs> you know, you don't be a goat. Don't ex- try to escape. We're in Christ. Don't try to abandon Christ for a little while and go off and have a bit of fun and then come home. Sorry, Lord. You know, like they come home late. You know, have fun. Won't do it again. And then the next night you're out for again. Yeah. No, we've got to clean up our act. Amen. 
And I'm, you know what? I can say that to the holiest man on planet Earth. I could say that. You know what? You've got to clean up your act. Because he would never say to me, you know how holy I am. He would never say that. I'd say, you've got to clean up your act. He'd say, absolutely. Because it doesn't matter how close you get to Christ, there's still more room to get closer. Why don't we sing, draw me close to you, if we're not trying to draw close to him? We've got to draw close. And the closer you get, guess what? The closer you get to Christ, the more sin he reveals in your life. It just keeps on coming to the forefront. And you have to deal with more, and you have to deal with more, and saying, oh no, Lord, not that as well. I have to deal with that? Yes, get that out of your life, because that's a hindrance. That's a block. You can't live for me if that is still in your life. Amen. It's a hard call. It's a hard call to be a Christian, but we are called. But he said, many are called, but few are chosen. That's scary. Think about that. Many are called, but few. Think about this. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are upon it, but narrow is the road that leads to life. And few. A few find it. Wow, it's just this is the words of the Lord. These are scary words and they're words that are real. They're words that are going to one day be enacted upon all of mankind and upon all those that call themselves Christian. And it's going to shock us out of our brain. It, and you don't want to be shocked because you're among the group that get discarded. You've got to be shocked because of who gets discarded. Because if you live according to the will of God, you will be saved. Simple as that. If you do what the scriptures say and live according to the will of God, you will be saved. Let's just cut down to this last one. Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Is anyone getting anything from today's message? Yes. Can you sort of see the angle the Holy Spirit's coming from here? He wants his people saved. He wants a saved bride. He wants a clean bride. Do you think Jesus is coming back for a filthy bride? No. What is the filth that a bride can have upon her? What sort of a filth would be upon a bride that would, would be a bride that you wouldn't want to marry? Adultery. What are adulterers in the Bible? If you've given your heart to Jesus and then you mix back in the world, you are an adulterer. That's what he considers adultery. Adultery. You're, you're, you're cheating on Jesus by sinning. We've got to be faithful to Christ. Amen? Faithful to him. Not adulterers. We can't mix back in the world where we came from and then go and hold hands with Jesus again. He's going to look at you and you're going to, you think you're going to go to the altar with him? No way. He won't marry you. He wants a clean bride, a holy bride. Washed, purified, spotless, made whole, without blemish. And if you, don't want to, if you don't want that in yourself, if you don't want to be that kind of Christian, then this is not the kind of church for you. Do you know what I mean? Because we're going after the will of God. We're going after being a holy people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. We've got to be those people. There's no second place here. We're going for the crown. Amen. <laughs> You know, my dream, this is my dream as a, as a minister, is that every last one of you gets welcomed into the kingdom of God with open arms, and as you're walking in, he's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, enter into my rest. Mm -hmm. Who wants to hear those words? Mm -hmm. Yeah? 
those, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit big time right now. That is the words of life. Amen. They're the words of life. Everyone, old and young, should be wanting that. Amen. You want it, don't you, kids? All right, so Colossians 3, 1 to 17, and it says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Where are we? We're raised with him. Set your hearts on things above. What are you supposed to do? Set your heart on things above. And then he adds, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it says, set your mind on things above and not on what? Earthly things. Not on sinful things. Because that's what earthly things are. Sinful things. That doesn't mean things, all things that you can do on earth are sinful. It just means don't set your heart on those sinful things. And then it says this, for you died, see? For you, read it with me, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So where's your life? As a true Christian. A, a true Christian's life is hidden in Christ with God. Amen. When Christ who is your life appears, get this, words of life here, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Amen. That's where I want to be. How do you get there? Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So that when Christ appears, you will appear with him in glory. That's how to get there. You've got to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Put to death. Now let's read this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. And sexual immorality comes from the Greek word, I'm going to have trouble saying this, porneia. Sound like a certain word today? Porneia. The root of the English term pornography. Pornographic. Pornos. Well, pornos is the Greek. Which is derived from porneo, which means to sell off. So if you're watching pornography, or looking at it, watching it, whatever, you're selling off. Jesus bought you with a price, and you're selling off what's his. You're selling it off in pornography. You're giving yourself away, in a sense, prostituting yourself, to be use an even harsher term. It's not good, is it? That's not what we're supposed to do. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And that's why do you think sexual immorality is first on the list? They didn't even have computers then, or DVDs, or magazines. And they were into it, somehow. Because he was telling them right back in the first century, don't get involved in sexual immorality. Let's keep reading. Belongs to your flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, anything that's impure, lust... Lust. Is lust pushed upon us continuously on TV? Yeah? Is that not the thrust of most shows these days? Lust. There's some really stupid shows on TV. And it's always, the angle is, what, what do they say that today? Sex sells. Doesn't it? And why? Because they, they play on the lust sin nature. That element of the nature. Because lust is a hugely strong force in a person's life. 
and it can ruin a Christian. It can actually take them down a road that's very hard to, to veer away from. I was listening to a guy who was talking about how he went to a pastor's conference and all the pastors started to confess their, um, their involvement in pornography. And he was amazed because nearly every single pastor was confessing to it. He didn't say any names, thankfully. But should that be? In sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Just evil, just thinking evil things. Like, how can I go and get back at this person? Or how can I do that? How can I make that person feel real bad? I want to harm that person. Evil desires. And greed, which is idolatry. I won't hang too long on these for a minute. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Guys, the wrath of God is coming upon all those who involve themselves in these things. Don't be under the wrath of God. If you're involving yourself in them as a Christian, you're under the wrath of God. That's a scary place to be. And if you say, no, I'm under the grace of God, no, you're not. You're under the wrath of God. Get back under the grace of God. You know, the destroying angel came to destroy the firstborn in Egypt. What did the uh, Israelites have to do? Blood on them. Blood on the lentils. What did that mean? But what did God also say to Moses? Tell them to get in the house. Not to stand outside, because if you're standing outside, you're going to get wiped away with everybody else. So the grace of God was over the houses that had the blood. And what's the blood? The blood of Jesus Christ. So you get in the house, you stay in the house. Because when the destroying angel comes, you don't want to be outside frolicking in the fields. Because it's a dangerous place to be when the destroying angel comes. So how we have to get under the blood. We've got to be under the blood of Christ. That's the grace of Christ. And that's where we stay. We don't get out under the wrath of God. We don't get under under our own sin nature, I suppose. We don't let the sin nature control us. Amen? Mm -hmm. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. See, we used to. It's past tense. We used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. These are the things. And these, we all have to deal with these because everyone has to deal with them. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from our lips. Without going into detail, does it speak very, very clearly what those things are? Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. So do not lie. We can't even lie to each other. Therefore... Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. See, we're to be renewed. And how do we get renewed? In the knowledge, in the image, the knowledge, which is what we're reading right now. Yes. Is this who, who feels like you're getting renewed in your faith right now? Mm -hmm. Who's getting a renewed outlook on Christianity? Even though you may have heard it many, many times, it does have a way of going you know what? I've got to take this on board. Yeah. Yes. Renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. I think I've said mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yep. Now where I'm up to, can you help 11. me? 11. Verse 11. Yeah. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore as God's chosen people, holy, there's that word again, it just keeps on coming up. Is holiness a work? 
No, holiness is following the moral code. Is the moral code exempt because you're not under the law? No. Just because we're under the law, does that mean we can murder? Does that mean we can steal? Well, these are moral laws that are all in the Ten Commandments. These things still exist. And it's normal. Like I've said so many times, you know, you don't, you don't go speeding down the road and the cop pulls you over and says, hey, why are you doing 100 kilometres an hour and it's 60k zone? Oh, I'm not under the law, mate. I'm under grace. No, I'm under grace. <laughs> All right, okay. Another one of those loopies. <laughs> drunk as well. Here there is no... Yeah, come. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. This is what we're supposed to be now. Mm. Not telling us what not to do, what we should do. Mm-hmm. Kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. There's a good one. We're going to bear with each other. That already brings conviction upon me. Mm-hmm. Bearing with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on what? Love. love. Why do we put on love? It binds them all together. It binds them all together, yeah. And also, what does it say about God? God is love. So we put on, if we put on love, we put on God, in other words. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. So we did that this morning. Oh, probably spiritual songs. With gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything, word or deed, do it all, all. If you go to work, you're doing it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And uh, wives, submit to your husbands. Stop there. Stop. (laughs) Why isn't Peter in the room today? (laughs) As it is fitting. Fitting. Sharon? (laughs) <laughs> it's not in your version, is it? <laughs> Some women scrub that out. <laughs> but they leave the part about what the men should be like. Yeah, that's right. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Really? No. Andy's a great man of God. I highly respect Andy and Sharon. That's why I can forget them all the time. I use you, you guys. To make fun Thanks of. for that. Line. I don't make fun, yeah, sorry, I make fun of anyone else except Matthew. Sit at the back next week. <laughs> all right. So, anyone received today? Yes, yeah. Brilliant. Tell me if if I'm if I'm going astray, please come and help me out. If the Bible doesn't say this, please come and share with me what it does say. Because I'm only preaching it for one reason and one reason alone, because it's there, and to me. This is the most important doctrine. The most. There's no other doctrine. I think they estimate there's about 10 to 12 doctrines, main main, uh, doctrines in the faith. And this one is the most critical one. Because it doesn't matter if you've got all the other, say there's 10, say you've got all the other nine, perfect, you know those doctrines really, really well. But you, you mess up the doctrine of salvation, 
How can you mess up the key doctrine of the faith? How can it be messed up in the church today? How can the Jehovah Witnesses mess it up? How can the Mormons mess it up? How can the Muslims put so much against this? How can they not say that they need salvation? So many Muslims, you know, many, many, many Muslims die, Muslims. And you know when they're dying, they're petrified? Because they're going to be, they weigh themselves on scales. They don't think they've got, they've got the works up. They don't think they've done enough to deserve salvation according to their faith. They reckon Muhammad died thinking he was going to hell. And he was pretty accurate. You know, why would you be in a faith like that? But you get to the end of your life and you're not sure. What we've got to do is run the race. And we've got to set our hearts to fulfill the will of God. And then you can say, like Paul, when Paul was speaking at the end of his life, he says, I've run the race and I'm going to receive the crown that he knew he was going to get. Because he knew the will of God so well, he knew a crown was awaiting him. Wouldn't you like to know in yourself that you've run such a good race? That there's a crown awaiting you and you can be proud to know that you have that crown because you fulfilled the will of God. Can you have that sort of confidence as a Christian? Yes. Yes. But it's not by believing you can't lose your salvation. That's not going to get you there. That's actually delusional because the scriptures don't say it. It's by knowing the word of God and abiding by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how you can be sure you're saved. And I think this is critical. I think there is, this is so important. And if I don't preach on it all the time, I'm doing you a disservice. There's one analogy. I'll, I'll finish with this. I can go on, can't I? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> There's one analogy. I always want to finish on. And uh, many of you know it, but I like to bring it up because I think it, it just really brings, brings it all into perspective. You're a maths teacher. You know this one? It's not a joke, by the way. You know this one? Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's not a joke. You're a maths teacher. And you've, you've got a class of students. And you... They come to you, you know, four or five times a week in high school, whatever. And all year, you talk about everything except maths. And you don't tell them anything about the coming exam. You don't prepare them for the coming exam. And all the kids are like, you know, asking questions. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Oh, yeah, be fine. Don't worry about it. And then they get all the way to the end of the year. And the big exams at the end of the year. And they all walk in and they open up the paper. And they're going, I don't know anything why did my teacher keep me comforted telling me that I was going to be fine? I open up the exam paper, you get a blank. Now, would that teacher be considered worthy of pay? What sort of a teacher, if you're a parent and your, your child comes home and says, he didn't teach me anything all year and we just failed our exam, we got zero out of 100. Well, as a parent, would you be a little bit annoyed with that teacher? There was one teacher during uh, high school years that uh, I was a bit annoyed with because I wasn't there for most of year 12, or part of it. He went away for quite a long time, which made it really hard for all the, all the students. I won't say any more than that. But, um, yeah, so this maths teacher, would he be worthy of pay? Would he be considered a good teacher? 
Whole year, not one word on maths, and then they come to the final and they fail miserably. What would it be if I sat or stood up here every week and said, you guys are going to be fine, don't worry, you'll be raptured before anything bad happens to you, and don't worry, God's got his, his grace and love for you is so great, and he doesn't see your sin, you're covered by the blood of Jesus, it's all washed away, and you don't have to worry about anything, just live your life. Do the best you be the best person you can be. Would I be a good minister knowing the word of God as I know it? But who knows that that's the prevailing teaching today? Not where you guys go. In Queensland. Go meet this guy. What's his name? Pastor Sam. Sam. Pastor Sam. I need to find more. I'm always looking around Australia for ministers who are preaching the truth. But would you be a good teacher? What if I got to heaven and every one of you didn't get into heaven that submitted yourselves to the teachings of this church and I got to heaven, what's going to happen to me? And I said this earlier, I'm in big, big trouble. You guys are in big trouble, I'm in big trouble. You guys are in big trouble because you didn't check me out. You didn't read the word to find out yourself. That's what it would be like. So this is why I teach what I teach. And who thinks it's important? Yeah, salvation is the most important. That's the boast of Christianity. This is our boast, guys. But one of the boasts of the early church was the holiness of the people. They were impeccably holy. The early church were like the marvel of the nations. They couldn't believe the kind of people they were. The grace that was shown in the face of persecution. The love, the, the unconditional love they had towards people that hated them. You know, people that hated them, they'd offer the share off their back, literally. Do you know? So that's the kind of Christians that God wants us to be. It's not changed. It's not changed just because we're in the 21st century now. We're meant to be those Christians. Amen. Yes. Shall we pray? <laughs> Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, our Lord. Lord, it's... um. I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that your spirit has just uh, moved uh, in us um, so, uh, or among us and through me so powerfully, Lord. And I just pray that your spirit will just start to uh, work in every single one of us in a wonderful way, that you'll bring us about to salvation or an understanding of salvation so that we can walk in it every single moment of every single day and never stray from it, Lord, that we will be uh, in your presence from here on, Lord, continuously that you will help us to somehow please you by living according to your will. So, Lord, we just pray that uh, you be with us now and that you help us, Lord, to really consolidate everything that was just preached and that, that through it, Lord, that we can draw closer to you and become Christians uh, at a level that uh, we never thought we could ever be. Lord, help us to deal with all the stuff in our life that gets in the way, that causes us uh, trouble and hardship, that... Um, uh, causes us to um, keep slipping back into uh, sinful things that we know we shouldn't do. So I just pray that you deal with us, Lord. And also, Lord, I pray that you pour out your blessings upon us and help us to uh, really understand your truth, understand the word, and not to um, just uh, reject the doctrine because it seems like this isn't the normal thing that I keep hearing. But that, you, that every one of us here will really check out every word that I've spoken and double-check the Scriptures and go deep into these uh, uh, holiness, these calls to holiness that we see continuously through the New Testament. 
And I pray that you work in our hearts in this way, Lord. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, just bless our afternoon now, Lord. Be with us and uh, bless our fellowship time as we uh, as we have this time together. I pray that you uh, really move upon us and just uh, keep us united in one spirit one, and uh, and give us a wonderful uh, encounters with each other as we talk about different things that have going on in our life and may we all be a blessing to each other and I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.